Hey friends, this is Josh Blair, and I'm the pastor of Central Valley Church, and this is our podcast. My prayer for the message you hear today is that it will inspire you and encourage you to walk closer with Jesus this week. If you want to stay connected with us, please check us out at CVC Madera, both on Facebook and Instagram. And you can check out our YouTube channel, Central Valley Church. Thanks for listening. Um, I love the book of James. I love the book of James because he's so straightforward in his preaching, right? He doesn't really leave anything to question. Um, he's just straightforward in it. James being uh, the half-brother of Jesus who's leading at the time for providing some context, um, uh, who's leading a, a Jewish church there in that time, we can say. Those who believe in Jesus, they're Jewish people, so we'd call them Messianic Jews. They believe that he is the Christ. Um, and he's speaking plainly to believers, speaking plainly to believers and teaching them um, a, a whole bunch of different things. In fact, uh, in my study, it said that sometimes they refer to the book of James as the Proverbs of the New Testament. If you're familiar with the book of Proverbs, right, it's a whole listing of um, uh, different just snippets of wisdom. Well, that's what James provides here, and we're going to pull one of these snippets of wisdom and talk about it. By the way, Josh texted me this morning. He, he just told me, he said, tell the church I love them. He said, tell the church I love them, and, um, you know, he, he, you guys have such an awesome pastor, and I just want to affirm once again, I'm so thankful that he trusts me with the pulpit on a Sunday morning, uh, and trusts me with this congregation to be able to share the word. I truly don't take it for granted being up here uh, and having a mic, because, um, man, it's, it's, it's so awesome to be able to be a mouthpiece um, and just share uh, of God's word. Truly, this is one of the delights of my life, um, is being able to do this. And so, uh, just wanted to let y'all know uh, that you are dearly loved. So, um, let's talk about 2020, right? Some of you guys are like, no, let's not talk about 2020, right? Um, I don't want to talk about 2020. 2020 was, man, it, it was a challenging year. Uh, let me just talk to you a couple things about what happened in 2020, okay? Um, because if the year 2020 taught us anything at all, it's that plans change, right? Plans change. Uh, let me list a couple things that, that happened, things that were affected by this whole pandemic. The movie industry was expected to lose $32 billion in 2020 because of how things shut down. Music artists across the country canceled entire tours that were scheduled for a whole year. Uh, the restaurant industry took a major hit. Well-known businesses closed hundreds of stores, and some businesses that had been around for decades had to close their doors for good. Uh, all sporting events came to a halt, replacing live coverage with replays from past games. Some of you guys men probably remember that. Um, uh, major events like the Olympics, Coachella, Comic-Con, um, and so, the list goes on, were all canceled. Uh, the whole education system had to take a step back and rearrange how learning would happen from this past year forward. Families had to rearrange their schedule and figure out how having kids home all day would work. Um, I'm pretty sure a lot of parents got scared, and they were like, what do you mean I have to have my kids home for a whole year, right? Um, any plans that people had to travel were canceled due to traveling uh, restrictions. Weddings, graduations, birthdays, baby showers, all were either postponed or canceled altogether. Even churches across the country closed their doors. And worst of all, Costco stopped giving out free samples, right? <laughs> um, I mean, it was crazy. It was super crazy. Um, 
But beyond all of this, right, I'm sure all of us were, were glued to the TV screens or either to articles on the internet or wherever we could see updates of live coverage of this pandemic, of this coronavirus, and we read and or watched the number of deaths continue to rise across the world. We watched the health industry get hit hard with waves and waves of people who contracted COVID-19. Some of them lost their lives to it. If there's anything that 2020 taught us, it's that plans, they change. And sometimes there's nothing we can do about it. So with this, looking at our skip scripture for today, James chapter 4 is where we're at. Verses 13 through 17. And here's what it says. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, to him who knows to be good and does not do it, to him it is sin. James here in this passage, he's talking about the arrogance of wealth, right? Uh, of people who think, um, man, this is, these are my plans. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to start this business, and we're going to go here. We're going to travel to this city. And uh, in this city, you know, there's high demand for this specific product. And what we'll do is next year we're going to go, and we're going to make tons of money doing this. We're going to make tons of money, and um, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Uh, and James here, uh, sort of like, kind of like a party pooper, and he's like, hold on, right? Um, He's saying, those of you guys who are saying today or tomorrow, like, we're going to go travel, we're going to spend a year there, carry on business, and make all this money. Let me ask you a quick, quick question, because you don't even know what will happen tomorrow, and yet you're planning for a year. Now, before I get into this, I, I just want, I want you guys to know, don't, don't hear what I'm not saying, all right, before I start talking about all this, because I, I want to let you know this past week, I didn't go cash out my 401k, right? I didn't go write my obituary, right, or stockpile for the next zombie apocalypse or anything like that, right? Um, I, I didn't do any of that, and it's, and I'm not going to come and I'm going to bash, you know, planning ahead or anything like that, but James is talking about uh, a position of your heart where you understand that life is fleeting, right? Life is fleeting in that literally at any moment, any one of us in this room, children included, could not be here tomorrow. It's very true. Um, you know, the statistics say that around the world, uh, the United Nations says that the average lifespan in the world today is 72.6 years, right? It's a little higher than that if you live in the U.S., okay, which they estimate is 79.1 years, okay? But let's round that up and on average and say we have about 80 years in this life, right? What are you going to do with this 80 years? The problem I have, though, with reading statistics like this is that 
sometimes we come to believe them as truth. Like, okay, I have 80 years. Mm, it's not true. You may not have 80 years because none of us know what will happen tomorrow or even when we leave this church today. And the sad part is a lot of times we have to rely on funerals, right, to remind us of the fleetingness of life, of how, um, how short life can be. But James encourages them to know, to say, would you have a heart that understands, right? Yes, you plan. Yes, you plan on, on what's happening with life. You set goals and you reach for those goals. You set money aside for your children who are to come after you. You do all these other things, but know that at any moment, right, life can be taken from you, okay? It's hard truth to process. It really is, right? Because when you think about how fleeting life is, it's easy to become pessimistic and say, well, then what's the point? <laughs> what's the point of trying? Who knows? You know, I could contract cancer. I could contract um, any other type of disease. I could get COVID. And, you know, who knows what will happen with that? And it's easy to, be, to get set in this pessimistic mindset to where you say, whatever, man, YOLO, you know? You only live once. Let's just live it up, Right? Let's just live it up. Let's just go have a good time. In fact, there was an author um, in the Old Testament who talked about this, who, who talked about the fleetingness of life, but was trying to understand life's meaning. Is there any meaning to this life at all that we have? In the book of Ecclesiastes, right, there is a king... Many people um, uh, would say that it might be King Solomon in his wisdom, right? And in Ecclesiastes, he spends the entire book talking about this meaninglessness of life. In fact, he starts off the book by shouting, meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. If you're looking in the New King, King James Version, it says vanity, Vanity of vanities, the, the most meaningless of meaningless things is this life. And the crazy part about it is, well, who's this guy to say this? You know I mean, like, who is he that he would just put a title on life to say, man, this is meaningless? Because everybody has all kinds of titles of, of this life and can say all kinds of things. But here is a man who wasn't just some poor man. He wasn't just some you know, just some random guy. No, 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 no. He was a well-known, well-known king. And in fact, in Ecclesiastes, right, if I turn there to the book of Ecclesiastes, let's see here. I just want to point out who this man was, okay? Because in chapter 2, he lists all the things that he gave himself over to. He said, listen, I've got all the money in the world at my disposal, and I could do anything I want, right? And he said, so why not? Let's do it. Let's do it. And this is what he said. He says, I made my works great. This is Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 4. He said, I made my works great. 
I built myself houses and planted myself vineyards, right? Anybody like to garden? I do. I got tomatoes growing right now. Um, I made myself gardens and orchards, and I planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. I made myself water pools from which to water the growing trees of the grove. I acquired male and female servants and had servants born in my house. Yes, I had greater possessions of herds and flocks than all who were in Jerusalem before me. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the special treasures of kings and of the provinces. I acquired male and female singers, the delights of the sons of men and musical instruments of all kinds. So I became great and excelled more than all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. Check this out. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my reward from all my labor. Then I looked. I took a moment to look up, he says, on all the works that my hands had done and on the labor in which I had toiled. And indeed, all was vanity, or all was meaninglessness and grasping for the wind. There was no profit under the sun. Can you imagine somebody who had everything? He had it all. Everything that he could want, right? Everything that we can want. I heard somebody the other day talk about how in, in life, you know, the people who... Uh, made $25,000 in life. They did a study on a group of people, and they said that those who have made $25,000, they asked them, like, if you had a specific income, what would satisfy you? What would be the income that satisfied you if you made $25,000? And he said, well, if I just made double what I made, $50,000, that would be enough to satisfy me. So then they went to go talk to the people who made $50,000, right? And they said, what would be an income that, that where you would just feel complete, you'd feel good, and you'd feel okay, right? And the people who made $50,000, they said, well, if I made $100,000, I'd feel okay. So they went to the people who made $100,000, and you know what they said? $200,000. And they went to those people who made $200,000, and they said, what would feel good? And they said, $500,000, right? Um, and the people who said $500,000, they said, what about you? And they said, if I made a million, right, a million dollars, I'd be good. Then they went to the millionaires, and you know what they said? Five million dollars. If I made five million, it just kept going up, right? That what I'm getting at here is that, man, he had everything, and yet you have all these people who are just like, man, if I had more, if I just had more, if I had more stuff, right? If I could get that one thing on Amazon, right? If I could get all that stuff, man, it, it would just go good for me, and He's like, listen, I gave it all. There was nothing that my eyes desired that I withkept from them. I had everything, right? And he says, I counted it all as meaninglessness. There's a famous song, right? There's a famous song that um, is entitled, Is That All There Is? Uh, some of you guys who, who, who are older might know this song. It was written by, um, it, it was written by Lieber Jerry and Stoller Mike, but it was sung um, by a woman by the name of Peggy Lee, right? And this is, what, this is what she's saying. I'll read the lyrics for you. He said, I remember when I was a little girl, 
our house caught on fire. I'll never forget the look on my father's face as he gathered me up in his arms and raced through the burning building out on the pavement. And I stood there shivering in my pajamas and watched the whole world go up in flames. And when it was all over, I said to myself, is that all there is to a fire? Is that all there is? Is that all there is? If that's all there is, my friends, then let's keep dancing. Let's break out the booze and have a ball, if that's all there is. And when I was 12 years old, my daddy took me to the circus, the greatest show on earth. There were clowns and elephants and dancing bears, and a beautiful lady in pink tights flew high above our heads. And as I sat there watching, I had the feeling that something was missing. I don't know what, but when it was over, I said to myself, is that all there is to the circus? Is that all there is? Is that all there is? If that's all there is, my friends, then let's keep dancing. Let's break out the booze and have a ball, if that's all there is. And then I fell in love with the most wonderful boy in the world. We'd take long walks by the river or just sit for hours gazing into each other's eyes. We are so very much in love. Then one day, he went away, and I thought I'd die. But I didn't. And when I didn't, I said to myself, is that all there is to love? Is that all there is? Is that all there is? If that's all there is, my friends, then let's keep... I know what you must be saying to yourselves. If that's the way she feels about it, why doesn't she just end it all? Oh, no, not me. I'm not ready for that final disappointment because I know just as well as I'm standing here talking to you that when that final moment comes and I'm breathing my last breath, I'll be saying to myself, is that all there is? Is that all there is? If that's all there is, my friends, then let's keep dancing. Let's break out the booze and have a ball. If that's all there is. Peggy Lee, she sung this song, and I, I can't help but to liken it to this man in Ecclesiastes who says, is that all there is to this life? All these things. The problem, the problem is it, that I found it comes in a statement that, Ecclesi- that um, this king is saying here in Ecclesiastes. When you come to the very end of what he said, he said, there was no prophet under the sun, right? He makes mention to this when he talks about all these things under the sun, under heaven, right? Basically, it points to the fact that all he was doing throughout his whole life is just seeing what does this life have to offer. I never took the time to look up. I never took the time to look beyond this life. Because I promise you, I promise you, by the authority of Scripture, right, by many, many, many men and women who have had everything that you can have in this life, if you just spend your life wanting these things in this world, they will disappoint you. Every, I, I have a friend who, um, who every woman, every woman that they um, go out with, and they go out with a woman every single weekend, they take them to Mexico. They take them to um, Pittsburgh. They take them all, all, all around, right? And they date all these women. It's a coworker of mine. And he'll come and he says, I just don't feel satisfied. 
It's like, I, I'm just, I'm, I want to settle down. I want to settle down. And yet, every week I talk with him. How's it going, man? I, you know, how you doing? He's like, oh, I went on another date again. Really? Another date? Yeah? He's like, yeah, she's super cool. She's super cool. But I got another date tonight with another girl, right? We'll see how this one turns out. And it, the cycle is over and over and over and over again. And I just let him know it's never, you're never, it's never going to satisfy. It's never going to satisfy. You'll never find that perfect one that satisfies you, right? And it's the same here. What Ecclesiastes is saying, uh, as he has this perspective of, man, is that all there is? It just seems so meaningless. But here's the great thing about it. This is where Jesus steps in, okay? Because when Jesus steps in, the whole, the whole thing changes. In fact, if there was something that could sum up the book of Ecclesiastes, right? If there was just a couple words that James could say, or I mean that Jesus could say, um, it'd be this. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, yet forfeits his own soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? It don't matter if you have everything that you want here in this life. It doesn't matter because it's never going to satisfy you. The only one who ever will is the one who, who we sing about. It is Jesus. And there is, man, oh, no one saw that, right? Um, in fact, just, ble- just blessing the altar here with some holy water. <laughs> it's Jesus. Um, but here's a, couple, here's a couple more things. I just want to speak to this point, because I'm going to get to my point, and um, I'm going to drive it home in just a sec. But here's what I, I want to point to, because over these past weeks, man, I, I've been thinking about it. Trust me. Man, I'm, I'm trying to get our finances in order. In fact, me and Sam, we are almost um, out, of, out of debt except for our house, right? And this September, you know, we're, we're pushing hard to get out of debt. We're working and we're, we're being diligent and good stewards of the things that God's given us. We've continued to tithe and continue to give our offerings above that. And we continue to believe that the Lord's going to be faithful in our life as we continue to give. Um, and so I, I want to let you know, you know, we have our plans for the future. We have things that, that are set in motion that, you know, we're trying to be faithful with the talents that God's given us, right? And we want to multiply and we want to continue to advance his kingdom. There's more people who are laying down their lives and literally flying across the world to go tell people about Jesus. And we want to be a support to those people, right? Um, so we are planning, but we also know that our life is fleeting in any moment, man. It can all be gone. And James asked the question, what is your life? He, this is not a question that we can answer collectively. Your husband or your wife can't answer it for you. Your kids can't answer it for you, nor can any of your friends. And nobody from the pulpit, right, can come and answer this for you. It's a question we have to ask ourselves. What is my life? What am I doing with my life? with what God has called, with this life that has given me, this short life that I have, that in comparison to eternity, right, it's a blip on the map. What am I going to do with this short time that I have here on this earth, right? 
I'll tell you what. For me, um, it, it all comes down to Jesus' invitation. And his, inv- his invitation is this. It's a call to die. That's really what it is. For some of you guys, you, I mean, it sounds weird, right? Right. I want to have a great life. I want to have the abundant life that Jesus calls uh, us to, right? In John 10, 10, he says, there's a thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have it to the full or have it more abundantly, right? What is this abundant life? John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. Jesus says he is the way the truth and the life. He's the bread of life, right? What is this greater life that's out there than what the world is selling me right now? And it's Jesus's call, and it sounds backwards, right? I've heard Josh mention several times before that this idea of the upside-down kingdom, right? It's to have this eternal life, Jesus calls us to die. And you may say, Hold on, where are you getting that from? That just don't sound right, right? What do you mean he's calling me to die? Well, um, I promise you, it, it's in Scripture. Um, and if I can find it here. <clears throat> Jesus here, speaking to his disciples, and as he's speaking to his disciples, um, he comes and he tells them uh, these words that it's kind of like, what do you mean? Because the disciples, they didn't understand it. They didn't get it, right? They didn't understand what Jesus was, was, coming, was talking about when he said, um, if any man, right, would come after me. He says, if any man would come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me, right? If any man would, co- if, if you choose to follow me, right, this is the call to follow Jesus. Believe it or not, whether you've given your heart to the Lord or not, I want you to understand that this is what the call is. That Jesus says, if you desire to follow me, then what you're desiring is to follow in my footsteps. And what that is entailing is laying down your life. Laying down your hopes, your dreams, your desires, your time, your energy, your talents, your children, your future. You said, all of it, I count it all lost for the sake of Jesus. It doesn't matter, none of that, because I want to follow him. And I know that following him is going to lead to eternal life. And I'll choose to step aside of all these other things, and I'm choosing to lay these things down because I want to pursue him. For those of you guys who don't know Jesus, that may sound like, I don't know. Is it really worth it? I promise you. I promise you, he is so worth it. For those of you who, who know Jesus, right, stop getting distracted by the things of this world. Come back to the call, to the invitation to lay down your life. I, I said it earlier in Hebrews chapter 12, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which so easily ensnares us. Stop saying 
well, it's not really a sin, so I, you know, I, I can have it in my life. It's not really, that's, that's just the dumbest thing you can say. Literally. It's, is it a weight in your life? Is it, is it holding you back from becoming more holy, more pure, more loving, more joy, having more joy in your life and producing peace around you at your job site and in your family? Is it holding you back? And if it is, lay it down. It's not worth it in pursuing Jesus. Here's how um, I just want to, I want to close today and um, every time I, every time I come to speak and I, I'm always figuring out, God, what is it that I speak about? I feel like I always circle back around to this whole concept of just laying down your life. John understood it. John the Baptist, right? In chapter three uh, of John, he says, I must be decrease and he must increase, Right? That in my life, I have to become less and less, and he has to become more and more. Worship team, uh, you're welcome to come up. But I just kind of want to read this story for you, one last story. Um, and maybe you've never heard this story, but it's about a missionary. And this missionary, his name is Jim Elliott. If you've never heard of Jim Elliott, well, um, He's a missionary that, man, he just loved the Lord and loved to tell people about Jesus. Loved to tell people about Jesus. Loved to, man, wherever he went, even at a young age, he was telling people about Jesus. And uh, a a lot of times I felt kind of like Jim um, because he struggled with, he struggled with having a wife, of pursuing a relationship because he felt like it might get in the way of really advancing the kingdom, right? Um, But Jim Elliott, I'll just share this really quick with you. On February 2nd, 1952, Jim Elliott waved goodbye to his parents and boarded a ship for the 18-day trip from San Pedro, California to Quito, Ecuador, South America. He and his missionary partner, Pete Fleming, first spent a year in Quito learning to speak Spanish. Then they moved to Shandia. All right, I got a lot of weird words here, okay? A small Quechua, right, Indian village to take the place of the retiring missionary. Jim and Pete studied hard to learn the language and fit in. Their hard work paid off. In six months, both were speaking Spanish well enough to move to Shandia. When they arrived in Shandia, they also had to learn the speech speech of the Quechuas, the people who were living there, okay? Three years later, right, time has gone on, and many Quechuas had become faithful Christians. Jim now began to feel it was time to tell the Akas about Jesus, okay? These are other people that are living there, right? But here's the problem. The Akas, they'd killed many Quechuas. They had also killed several workers at an oil company drilling site near their territory. The oil company closed the site because everyone was was afraid to work there. Jim knew the only way to stop the Akas from killing was to tell them about Jesus. Jim and the four other Ecuador missionaries began to plan a way to show the Akas they were friendly. Nate sent a missionary supply pilot, came up with a way to lower a bucket filled with supplies to people on the ground while flying above them. He thought this would be a perfect way to win the trust of the Akas, 
without putting anyone in danger. They began dropping gifts to the Akas. They also used an amplifier speaker to speak out friendly Akka phrases. After many months, the Akas even sent a gift back up in the bucket to the plane. Jim and the other missionaries felt the time had come to meet the Akas face to face. One day, while flying over Akka territory, Nate Saint spotted Nate Saint spotted a beach that looked long enough to land the plane on. He planned to land there, and the men would build a treehouse to stay safe until friendly contact could be made. The missionaries were flown in one by one and dropped off on the Aka beach. Nate Saint then flew over the Aka village and called for the Akas to come to the beach. After four days, an Aka man and two women appeared. It was not easy for them to understand each other since the missionaries only knew a few Aka phrases. They shared a meal with them and Nate took the man up for a flight in the plane. The missionaries tried to show sincere friendship and asked them to bring others next time. For the next two days, the missionaries waited for other Akas to return. Finally, on day six, two Akka women walked out of the jungle. Jim and Pete excitedly jumped in the river and waded over to them. As they got closer, these women did not appear friendly. Jim and Pete almost immediately heard a terrifying cry behind them. As they turned, they saw a group of Aka warriors with their spears raised, ready to throw. Jim Elliott reached for the gun in his pocket. He had to decide instantly if he should use it, but he knew he couldn't. Each of the missionaries had promised they would not kill an Aka who did not know Jesus to save himself from being killed. Within seconds, the Aka warriors threw their spears, killing all the missionaries. Ed McCauley, Roger Udarian, Nate Saint, Pete Fleming, and Jim Elliott all died that day. Late in the afternoon of Sunday, January 8th, Elizabeth Elliott, Jim's wife, waited by the two-way radio to hear Nate Saint and his wife discuss how things had gone that day. But there was no call. As evening turned to night, the wives grew worried. They knew the news was not good. The next morning, another missionary pilot flew over the beach to look for the men. He saw only the badly damaged plane on the beach. News quickly spread around the world about the five missing missionaries. The U.S. search team went to the beach, found the missionaries' bodies, and buried them. But don't think Operation Aka ended there, because it didn't. In less than two years, Elizabeth Elliott her daughter Valerie and Rachel Saint, Nate's sister, were able to move to the Aka village. Many Akas became Christians. They are now a friendly tribe. Missionaries, including Nate, Saint's son, and his family, still live among the Akas today. You see, during Jim's life, he longed for more people to become missionaries, to advance the gospel, to tell people about Jesus. However, in his death, he probably inspired more people to go to other countries to share the love of Jesus than he could ever have in his own life. He is quoted as saying this, and I love this quote. It's quoted as being the theme of Jim's life. He says this, He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose.
Let me tell you something. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep, this life, to gain an eternal life that he cannot lose. This is the call to follow Jesus, to lay down your life, because guess what? It's going to get laid down whether you like it or not. But there is an eternal life. There is a hope. There is a future. There is a heaven. There is a place that Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you, right? There is something so much greater than anything else that this life has to offer. It's better than any promotion you can get at your job. It's better than any spouse that you can find. It's better than any other type of entertainment, glitz, or glamour that this life has to offer. Jesus is worth everything, I promise. And if we come back to this scripture, Jesus says, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. It is like a man who found a treasure in a field And in finding that, he goes and sells everything else to purchase that field. I just want to, I don't know how to explain it anymore, but to let you know that Jesus is life. He is life. And so if you're here today, The only thing that I can encourage and the only thing that I can ask is you to take a step back and say, what is your life? What do you want to make of it? I've chosen purposely that in my life there are certain things that I'm willing to give up to pursue him. It's okay if I have to get up early to come to church. It's okay if I have to stay late to clean up. It's okay. It's okay if there there are other things, other wants and desires that I have to sacrifice to pursue him and to advance his kingdom. It's okay. I'm willing to do it because I know that there are men and women, young people, children, there are people on my job site, there are people on your job site who are literally dying every single day who don't know the love and hope that Jesus brings. And I have to tell them about it. I have to tell them about it. Because if I don't tell them about it, who will? Who's going to tell them about it? And I know that we come sometimes and we get scared and we get nervous and we think, man, I don't know what I'm going to say. I don't know how I'm going to tell them. How am I going to share with them about Jesus? Uh, Let me tell you this past week, we did VBS at at, at our campus um, site at the well. And I stood, I sat there with a group of 10. Man, I sat there with a group of 10 kids. (gasps) And I asked them, have any of you told your friends about Jesus? And one after one, they would raise their hand. They said, I told my friend about Jesus. I didn't know what to say, but I told him. I told them about Jesus. Their family doesn't know the Lord, but I told them about Jesus. Men and women, are you telling people about the hope that you have in your life? Are you telling people about the hope that is around that the life-giving hope that is found in Jesus. I just ask that you bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, if there are little kids who can come and say, I don't, 
I don't care about anything else. I know I need to tell them about Jesus. God, I pray that we too, Lord, would despise the shame, would get past the embarrassment, would look past anything else that may happen to us, and that we would boldly, courageously, bravely share your word, tell others about Jesus, live our lives as an example of who you are. Aside those weights that just slow us down, those sins that slow us down. I don't care that you're embarrassed about your sin. I don't care that you're embarrassed about it. Lay it down because it's stopping you from advancing God's kingdom. It's stopping you from advancing the gospel. God has a calling on your life and he wants to move you into it. But lay that stuff down. Forget about the embarrassment of it. Be willing to say, God, I'll confess it to you. You've forgiven me anyways, Lord. You're the only one that matters. God, I thank you. I thank you for this day. I thank you for this service. I thank you for a chance to preach your word and put you on display. You are worthy of it all. You're worthy of our worship. You're worthy of our praise. You're worthy of anything that we have. You're worthy of all of it. And if you are here today under the sound of my voice, those listening online, if you're here and you may hear the things that, that I've been saying, number one, if you don't know Jesus, I want to let you know he is worth it. He's far more worth it than anything else. In fact, he can do so much more with your life if he has it in his hands than you could ever possibly do if you choose to keep your life in your own hands. I want to tell you that today. And if you don't know Jesus today, I want to give you an opportunity, right? I want to give you an opportunity to know Jesus. And so it's very simple, right? You, it's very simple. It's coming in, in your heart, believing in him. And, and if you don't know Jesus, I just want you to pray this prayer with me. Just, just say, if you don't know Jesus, just say this prayer with me. If God is pulling on your heart and is saying, man, I don't know, there's something. I, I don't know what it is that he's saying. I just, I want it. I want it. Then say these words. Say, say dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for my sins, for laying down your life that I might be saved. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you, Jesus, for sitting on the throne of my life. I will step down and I'll let you step on the throne of my life. You will be my Lord. You will be my savior. And I will follow you and gladly lay down my life. For those of you who are here today, and man, you know the Lord, you're pursuing him. I encourage you, continue to run after him with everything that you have. Continue to pursue him with everything that you have. But if you're here today, man, you're saying, I have, I, I hear what you're saying, and I, I just need, I haven't been pursuing him the way that I should. If you were to be honest, you'd say, I'm not like that person. I see the treasure in the field, but I also see all of these other things. James talks about it. He says, it's like being a double-minded man. You want it, but you also want these things over here. He says, 
A double-minded man is unstable in everything that he does. And if you want to live a firm, founded, rooted life in him, you pursue him with everything you have and you forsake all those other things. And if there are things that you're just saying, man, I, I've, I've, I've been living that, that double-mindedness and I, I want to pursue Jesus with everything, but man, it's, uh, there's some other things. Can I just pray for you? I'm going to just pray for you. And so if that's you here today, bow your heads, close your eyes. I just want to pray for you today. And, and, and here's the thing. I'm going to ask you to do something, and it's, it's not for me. It's, it's all for you. If, if you're here today and you say, listen, Luke, I, I want to follow Jesus, but, man, I, there's other things in my life that are getting in the way that I've allowed to get in the way, and I just need to come and just confess that, and I need to just lay that down before the Lord right now. If that's you, would you just, just lift a hand up and just say, yep, there's some things in my life that I just need to lay down. Just put your hand up and put it right back down. Just say, man, those are some things I need to lay down. I see your hand. Yep. I, man, I don't know. I just know that I have not been pursuing him wholly as I should. I haven't been telling other people about Jesus the way I should. My life has not been an example about Jesus the way it should be. If that's you and you say, man, I, I just need to confess, like, I, I need to pursue him more than I have been. Um, just raise your hand really quick and put it right back down. Amen. 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 Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you today. I thank you for, man, who you are, Lord. God, I thank you for a chance to be able to pursue you. I pray that we would take, to take this understanding that our life is, it, it's going to end. It's feeble. It can end at any moment. Lord, but help us to lay down something that's going to end anyways, and let us take hold of you, Lord, knowing that we cannot lose you, that when we are in your hands, there's nothing that can take us out of them, Lord. For those who, man, who have not been sharing the gospel, who have not been telling other people about God's goodness, for those who have a difficult time in their jobs putting Jesus on display, putting you on display, Lord, for those who have not been living the life that they should as a father, as a mother, as a husband, as a wife, as kids in their family, Lord, I pray that you would just right here in this moment that they would say, man, God, I'm sorry. Help me to follow you more closely. Help me to understand that my life is more than just the things that I can accumulate, the things that I can do in, in this life, that there is something greater for me. And so we just thank you, Lord. We love you for everything that you're doing in our life. We thank you for what you're doing here in this service today. And we will worship you because you are worthy of it. You are worthy of all of it. I thank you. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to this message. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel to hear